This is the Decision Masters Podcast. I'm Kirsten Parker, the decision coach for overthinkers. When you feel good about your decisions, life feels good. You get to be present in your days and excited about where you're going. I'm going to help you build your decision mastery so it's easy to know what you want, navigate uncertainty, and handle any feelings that happen. Whether you're in the middle of some overthinking angst right now, or you simply love feeling in charge of your choices, you're in the right place. Clear, confident decisions are right around the corner. Let's get into it. Well, hey, friend. I'm excited for this special episode this week because episode 31 is coming out the week of Kenny's 40th birthday my husband. (laughs) I just love imagining this podcast being 10 years old and having this episode as a milestone marker right now, you know? And Decision Masters podcast actually turned six months old last week. What? So it's just fun to think about someday he's going to be turning 50. Like what's that episode going to be about? Mm. So just as a little insider information for how we're celebrating, it's a little bit of a doozy this year. We're going all out. If you're listening real time and our guesses turned out correctly, We will currently, like right now, be in a city called Modena, which is in the Emilia-Romagna region of Italy, and Kenny's birthday will have been a couple days ago, and our plan is to eat the famous Michelin star chef Massimo Batura's food for Kenny's actual birthday dinner because we're staying at the hotel that Massimo and his wife run, and I cannot Like I just literally, we don't have to spend the entire episode talking about what we're going to eat while we're there, but we could, and I wouldn't be sorry about it. But I do bring this up for a reason, because planning this whole trip was a fascinating opportunity for Kirsten, the decision scientist, to observe like, ooh, what happens when people with opposite decision styles get together and try to make a decision? It's really just a collection of decisions, right? And I know I'm not the only person on the planet married to or making decisions with someone who does not think exactly like they do. Wink. So today, I'm going to share the four things that stand out to Kenny and I when it comes to making this work. Because I actually asked him, I was like, why do you think we can make decisions even though we're basically opposites in that department? And he got to weigh in. Because we do have very different habits and preferences when it comes to how we make decisions. And this is a valuable skill to have if you're going to be making some decisions long-term with somebody else. And the truth is we have not, shockingly, always been able to have a friction-free experience of that. For a while, if we're being honest, I was just frustrated at him because I thought the way that I made decisions was right and good and his was wrong and worse. (laughs) So judgy. But I'm being honest, and I want you to be honest, too. If there's friction in your joint decision-making, I want you to check in on this. How much of that friction is coming from you outright assuming the way this other person operates is wrong? Because we do this. And I had to correct that misunderstanding for myself, that, that there wasn't a baseline better way to do things. Like, either he was wrong and I was right, or vice versa. I just had to... I had to let my own brain know, oh, we're not interested in seeing this situation like that. And that freed me up from at least 50% of the friction. So yay, do that. 
Plant that seed and take it with you into your next conversation about the vacation you're planning or the plans that you guys are discussing for the house or whether or not to say yes or no to your kids asking if they can run a waffle truck. Yes, that's a real decision faced by one of my real amazing clients. And that was not actually a friction-filled decision. It was an easy choice. They obviously said, yes, go run your waffle truck. Amazing. So once you move through that initial hurdle, which is so normal, it's the friction born of humans being different. Once you move through that and you instruct your brain, we're not actually interested in spending a ton of energy on being upset that someone's wrong or judging someone, right? You can approach a decision as if you're on the same team. Even if you have different views, even if you want different things, even if you want to go about making this decision in totally different ways. So let me give you some context, okay? Kenny is a researcher stretcher. It's not an official term yet, but at some point I am going to update the quiz on my website so that you can find out what your decision archetype is because I think that would be so much fun because we all have these like ways that we like making decisions, that we're used to making decisions. And I'm not mad at that. I just want to help everyone know how to use their archetype to their own advantage and not get bogged down by common pitfalls. So keep an eye out for that. Maybe go to kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz right now and see if I've done it. If I haven't, you'll just get to take the momentum quiz, which is also amazing. So win-win either way. But in essence, whether this ends up being the final name for this archetype or not, Kenny is this researcher stretcher type of person. He is someone who likes knowing all of the options. He likes taking his time. He doesn't mind stretching a decision out. He would rather know he picked the best thing and got the best option, no matter how much time or work it took. And because that's his preference, it means sometimes a decision doesn't get made at all or gets made later, and he's up for that. That's fine for him because that's better than missing out on the best thing. I, on the other hand, am more of a completer energy saver. Mm, loving these names, right? I want decisions to be good ones. Like I do, I, I do want to make thoughtful decisions, but I really want them to be done, complete. I don't like a lot of open decisions at one time. I don't like a lot of undecided things in process. And if there are lots of undecided things, I don't want to be sending energy to them. I want to consider them hibernating, not cooking, right? <laughs> I don't want them like draining energy or draining bandwidth in the background. And because this is my preference, I'm willing to choose something quickly, even if that means sacrificing quote unquote, better alternatives. So take this opportunity, consider like, what are your habits? What are your preferences? What are your partners? And it's really easy to see how joint decisions can get tricky when things like these habits and preferences butt up against each other. And this applies to big stuff like house buying, trips to Italy, whatever, all the way down to like, when are we going to have dinner with so-and-so? Or I need boots. Let's get boots. Now, Quick note on the boots. Boots don't actually have to be a joint decision. I actually asked Kenny for help buying boots for this trip because he knows more about winter and shoe things and, interestingly, trendy fashion than I do. He knows he's just more knowledgeable on all of those fronts. So I did ask him for help. But another place I see a lot of decision friction coming from is... People let things turn into joint decisions that do not need to be. So I also always encourage clients to be deliberate about this. Make sure you really want 
a decision to be a joint choice. Because if you don't, you'll save yourself a whole lot of bother. Ask yourself honestly, do I need someone's input? Is this a joint decision or can I just buy my booth myself? I didn't want to because I was probably going to end up with something weird and wrong. Okay, so I know we already gave you some pointers. Those are freebies. So check if you want a decision to be a joint choice or if it you can just do it yourself and save yourself the bother. And check how much friction is coming from judgment of someone having a different decision style than you, okay? Those are freebies. But now I want to get into the four official tips for making a decision with someone who has a different decision style than you, different decision archetype, and you want to have as friction-free an experience of this decision as possible, all right? Tip number one, decide what to appreciate. Okay, like I said, my default used to be to assume that my way was right and Kenny's was wrong. Shocking. I know you've never done this, but like, it turns out there are people in the world who just think like this, that we're right. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And I'm painting that with a broad brush here. I didn't, I just didn't walk around my whole life thinking Kenny's wrong all the time. But when it comes to decisions, obviously I'm quite opinionated. So I needed to take that opportunity to realize that every decision archetype has merits. And this is your opportunity right now to decide what do you want to appreciate about your own style of deciding and what do you want to decide to appreciate about your partner's style of making decisions. It also helps to say this out loud. It's kind of wacky. Decision-making can be kind of like money and sex in our culture. They're very important, but we don't talk directly about them. But you can, and it makes a huge difference. So I want you to try naming this. Walk up to your partner and say, hey, what I appreciate about the way you make decisions is X, Y, and Z. I guarantee they're not going to argue with you. This will not start a fight. This is going to, this only good things can happen here. Just don't expect them to immediately respond in kind with what they appreciate about you, okay? Don't put that pressure on them unless they listened to this very podcast episode as well, okay? With us, I appreciate that Kenny's decision style leads us to opportunities that I would never find because I would never go that far down any rabbit holes. I like can't be bothered. But it leads to some really cool stuff. And I about my own style, I appreciate the way I make decisions eases the process of planning because not every decision is open for indefinite angst. Like some decisions we're like, we're just going to make these and we're not even going to look at options. I like that because it's easy. Okay. Tip number two, play to your strengths. All right. So now that you know why both of your decision styles are beneficial, capitalize on that. You can agree on who is handling which micro decisions within this larger decision. You can delegate. You can split it up. You can be like, this is what you're in charge of. This is what I'm in charge of. This is your game. This is my game. You can also chunk up decisions so that part of them is one person's responsibility because that's their zone of genius. And then part of them is your responsibility. When I worked as a project manager for a couple of years at Kaiser Permanente in their educational theater department, which I bet you didn't know existed until just now, they used a system called Belbin Team Rolls. And I loved it. I'll link it in the show notes because you might find it fascinating. I loved this company and I loved these people. And I loved that they utilized this 
tool. It was a really helpful system for understanding how you best work, what your zones of genius are, and especially how you best work in a team and in relation with a bunch of other people who have their own tendencies and habits. And it's British, and I like lots of British things. So the system made it easy to chunk up projects in this way. Like, this is the part where people called plants get to brainstorm and not hold back on exploring options and go down all the rabbit holes they want. And what this means is that during this part of the process, completer finishers, like me, don't pressure the plants to hand in their final answers because that's not what we're doing right now. (laughs) It's very helpful. And you can do this same thing for decisions. Kenny's happiest place is down a rabbit hole, finding the best of the best restaurants for like risotto versus sandwich shop versus like hole in the water or whatever. And my happiest place is obviously making a color-coded itinerary that maximizes joy and efficiency based on train schedules and what time the sun sets, etc. So throughout this process of planning this trip, we played to our strengths. He did the stuff that was in his zone of genius. I did the stuff that was in mine. And that's how we're going to end up taking a boat from Venice to some other island to go to some random place for, I don't know, squidding risotto, maybe? And also why we are going to, like, move through the cities with maximum efficiency because we both (laughs) played in our zones of genius. Played to our strengths. Okay, tip number three. Name your core values for the decision. Okay, so if you know me, you know I love me some core values. It's just such a useful decision filter. It makes everything easier because you decide in advance what matters most. And this can be so, so helpful to reduce friction in a joint decision if you name a core value or two for how you want to make this decision, what you're factoring in, what you're making important, and what your partner's making important. I've had clients joint deciding things like, what are we doing for the holidays? And let's green light the ADU in the backyard finally. And it's a freaking game changer before you get into the weeds of those multi-step decisions to know who's valuing what. And you can make these up. I want you to know you, you don't have to overcomplicate it. If you're building an ADU, your core values get to be whatever you're going to make important. So it could be details. It could be quality. It could be frugality. It could be comfort. It could be ease. It could be space. For planning this trip, the values that we wanted influencing the decisions we made were celebration, spaciousness, and food. Yes, I give you permission to make food a core value. (laughs) Permission granted. Okay, tip number four, set parameters at any point. And this might be the most important tip of the day because like anything that I offer here, these are all nice ideas in theory and they're usually harder in practice. And I don't want to lie to you and say, We had a completely friction-free experience planning this trip and our lives are perfect and everything is made of daisies. I'm not going to do that. We would find ourselves in little moments of friction, like I'd find out I didn't want to be in a rabbit hole on something anymore. And I would find that out because I would be like, I'm incredibly frustrated all of a sudden. This is interesting. 
And he would feel rushed to decide stuff because sometimes I would be like, I want all these things decided right now. (laughs) Whoops. So it's important to remember that the goal is never to be perfect. Like be perfect, the end. That's never what we're working on here. It is though 1000% possible to minimize these friction moments and set yourselves up to move through the friction moments that do happen so much more easily. So if you can, by all means, set parameters in advance. If you have a big decision coming up, this is great timing for this episode. So you can talk about your decision strengths together out loud. Here's what I appreciate about how we both make decisions. Yum, isn't that so delightful and helpful? Play to your strengths and chunk decisions up. Make assignments, agree on who's doing what. Use core values as guides and filters to make the decisions easier. So an example of this that we were actually quite good at in this process was just agreeing, like when we would go into like a little trip planning sesh, okay, you're gonna go down all the rabbit holes, like Florence, go. And and also let's make sure that like this specific thing gets booked today. So go down all the rabbit holes you want. Let's make sure that this is the result. This is our deadline, right? We set those kinds of parameters pretty regularly and it worked out. But also, if you don't do that in advance, if you are already in the middle of a big decision and you're feeling some friction, I want you to know it's never too late to set parameters, reset parameters, adjust parameters. Let this be an ongoing thing that you do together. So if you realize you're frustrated because y'all are down a bunch of rabbit holes and you're finding out real time, oh, dang it, I wanted all these decisions made yesterday. That's fine. Use that awareness, articulate at a parameter and agree on it now. Okay, if you're in the middle of a month-long decision about your house or plans for the kids' summer or how to deal with someone's parents or what boots to buy, doesn't matter. You can set your core values for that decision now. You can divvy up and chunk up a decision and assign who's doing what now. It's not too late. It will be helpful. I totally promise. So there are your four tips, plus a couple bonuses. And all of these are gonna help you reduce friction, in the process of making a decision with someone else who does not think exactly the same way as you. So remember those freebies I gave you at the beginning. Don't go in automatically judging someone's decision style just because it's different than yours. Double check that this decision actually does need to be a joint one. And then if you are moving ahead with a joint decision, appreciate what works well about each of your decision styles. Play to your strengths. Do what is in your zone of genius. Name your core values for the decision. Make them up. Don't overthink it. And then set parameters whenever you need to. And I would love to hear from you on this. How do you and your partner differ in your decision styles? What resonates from today's episode that you're going to try? Head on over to kirstenparker.com forward slash podcast and click the button at the top that says, tell me everything. I really want to know. And since it's the holidays and since it's Kenny's birthday, I would be so honored to receive the gift of your feedback if you feel like it. So if you want to, you can go on over to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review. It helps me out a surprisingly huge amount. And I would also just love, love, love to hear what you have to say. Because the more feedback I get, the more I can tailor the content that I send out into the world to be super helpful to you specifically. 
So I hope you have an amazing week and happy birthday, Kenny. Hey, want to know the number one thing you need to kickstart your momentum right now? Um, obviously, I know. That's why I created the Momentum Quiz. Head to kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz to find out your number one momentum killer and get your personalized action plan to boost your momentum and get back on track. That's kirstenparker.com forward slash quiz. Have fun.